Welcome back to episode 28 of the Lace em Up podcast. I am Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, what's happened so far, which series could go seven. We already know the answer, uh, sort of, to that question. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about several other events that happened uh, in the NHL over the past couple of weeks. Um, some highlights, some lowlights, and a bunch of other stuff like that. Also, uh, I'll give a quick glance on uh, the CHL playoffs, how those are going, and uh, we're bringing back the Bruins and Sens segment. Uh, we'll explain why later. We said we were going to get rid of it, but some big news has been happening on uh, on both fronts, so we'll uh, bring that to your attention. Uh, first off, shout-outs to all NHL players past and present who have done the number 28. Claude Giroux comes to mind, Eric Desjardins, uh, or Desjardins, of uh, the Canadians. He was a part of their cup-winning team in 93. Ty Domi, who can forget Ty Domi, and John Scott. Uh, How didn't wear it uh, all that often. but All-star captain. Yeah. Uh, Dave Dryden, MVP. the goaltender, um, I believe related to uh, Ken Dryden. Um, back in the 70s and 80s, he wore number 28 uh, for a time. Pierre LaRouche, Reed Larson, Don Maloney, Bill McCreary wore number 28. Um, and also a couple of notables, Dominic Moore, Mark Recchi, Justin Falk for one season. Uh, Zemgis Gergensen's Paul Gossad, a pair of Sabres, were number 28, as did Gary Galley. Uh, Thomas Sandstrom, uh, back in uh, the uh, 80s and 90s, um, a very good point producer, wore number 28. In 1984 and 1985, there's this guy named Taylor Hall, not the Taylor Hall yeah. you're thinking of. He wore number 28, as did... Uh, Former Ottawa 67 Senna Kanopka during his days in the NHL, number 28 was his go-to number. And lastly, a couple of um, Hall of Fame caliber defensemen, uh, at least in one of the cases, Brian Rafalski, Robin Regeer, and uh, former Washington Capitals sniper Alexander Semin uh, also were number 28. So to <laughs> all of those individuals and to the individuals I did not mention who have worn number 28 in the NHL, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Yep, um... Alright, here's uh, time for our social media plugs, I guess. That's our segment, right? Uh, the uh, Facebook is Lay Some Podcast, Lay Some Up. Um, the uh, Twitter is Lay Some Podcast. Um, so, you know, subscribe on iTunes, rate us. Um, and. Um, Lace up bag at gmail.com. Lace up bag at g- gmail.com. Questions because we, we, yep. we're going to answer them. We, uh, yeah. If we get them. If we get them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about our stuff. Yeah. So we, we've been gone for two weeks. Um, unintentional, just personal yeah. things. But, um, but it's, it worked out well because, uh, we uh, we get to talk we get to summarize the first round instead of being in the middle of the first round so um so there are some big newses right now big newses uh, uh, i can't speak um the uh there are some uh so there are some eliminations right now which is what i meant to say um the penguins sharks lightning are into the second round which means their opponents, the Rangers, the Kings, and the Red Wings, are out. Um, which is kind of interesting, considering those, the Rangers, Kings, and Red Wings are, you know, they've always had experience in the playoffs in recently, um, and now they're out in the first round. I mean, the Lightning and the Penguins have had some uh, playoff success in the past, but... Um, it is definitely, I think the biggest shocker right now is the Kings are out. Um, the Blackhawks, uh, almost were out, uh, but they're, they forced a game seven last night. Um, when you're hearing this, this will be on later tonight, but the Blackhawks Blues are in game seven. 
Um, and I think uh, right now the Flyers and Capitals are playing right now. If the Capitals win, the Flyers are out. The Capitals move on and play the Penguins. I think there's one other elimination that could happen. Oh, right, the star. if the Stars win tonight and the Panthers win tonight, um, they go into the second round and the uh, Wild and the Islander. No, wait. I'm wrong. The if the Islanders win tonight, um, the Panthers are eliminated, and um, if the uh, Stars win tonight, the Wild are eliminated. Yeah. Um, and we're recording this. It's one eleven p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Right. Just, uh, for just to, yeah. So you probably already know this. You probably already know this already, but um, we don't. So, um, but. Uh, so yeah, I guess the bigger shock, the biggest shock was the Kings right now, um, just being out. They didn't look like their old self. I guess they haven't been their old self for the past couple of weeks, considering they uh, the Ducks uh, became the division leader on the last day. But um, yeah, it's um, I, I, I'm happy for the Sharks. Yeah. Um, I didn't like. They just look like a different team um, with Martin Jones. Uh, you're welcome, San Jose. Um, if you didn't know, the Bruins had Martin Jones for a day and then traded him to the Sharks for a first round. So um, did the LA Kings. So they weren't gonna. Yeah. So they weren't gonna give him the hand over Jones. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, the Penguins look good. I I look smart because uh, I picked the Penguins to win the whole thing. Um, but I, I think that the Penguins Capitals or the Penguins Flyers, whoever they play, is going to be, a quite the series in the next round. Um, and then the light, yeah, the Lightning, uh, don't seem to miss Stamkos. Um, and I think that's, that's it in terms of my opinions for these I, things. I don't know. As far as the Capitals are concerned, uh, I can't remember the exact stat, but I saw it during the first period of the game, and they are well below 500 when it comes to finishing off their opponents in series-clinching yep. games. And they're 0-5 in their last five opportunities, and they've and they've lost their last two. Um, I'll, I'll get back to that in a sec. But yep. Getting back to the Sharks-Kings series, um, I think it's fair to say San Jose is dramatically overachieving this year. I mean, they went from a team that was most likely to draft in the top 10 to a team that makes the playoffs to a team that knocked off the LA Kings in five games. Uh, that busted a lot of brackets, including mine, considering I picked the Kings to win it all. Um, and like those brackets, the Sharks might have been a few times, but they certainly didn't break. Yeah. Um, and they won the close games. Like the Pens were able to do, they took care of business on the road. They lose a tough one the first overtime of Game 3. No big deal. They go out taking four. And in Game 5, they're, the Sharks are up 3 nothing, but the Kings come back, tied in the second. No biggie. They get three in the third, take the game, take the series, and they shake hands. Uh, Joe Pavelski's five goals, a big reason why. Uh, Brent Burns leading the team in eight point, and yep. scoring with eight points, also a big reason why. Uh, Logan Couture got five assists. Joel Ward got four points in five games. Uh, that team two years ago doesn't get the job done. Maybe this year, though, is, maybe this year is different. Maybe they're just getting started. Who knows? Yeah. What I do know is that Jake Muzzin, out of nowhere, led the Kings in scoring with five playoff points, while Drew Doughty, uh, one point, minus five rating. Yeah. Rather irrelevant for most of the series on the score sheet. Uh, Toffoli, Gabbert, Dustin Brown all had zero goals. Jeff Carter had two, but he was also a minus five. And yeah, like I said, this was a close series. Games one to four were all decided by a goal. And game five was tied heading into the final 20 minutes. But when you go 0-3 at home ice, that is inexcusable for a team that's won two Stanley Cup titles in four years. Um, like, like the LA Kings, everyone knows if you're not in trouble until you lose one at home. They lost all three meetings at home. They didn't take advantage of home ice. Mm -hmm. The Sharks were able to get the close victories. And eventually, when you add one to the other, you're out of the playoffs. And yeah. Such is the reality for the Kings. And even if they face the, uh, uh, not the Anaheim Ducks, uh, the National Predators in round one, 
you look at the way Nashville started that series. True. Uh, yeah. Winning the first two games on the road. I'm not sure if LA would have done so much better, but of course we'll never know. Right. Uh, speaking of teams that also couldn't get it done at home, uh, the Rangers, we mentioned the Rangers. Um, the Penguins offense, they were on point. I'll give credit to Sid the Kid. Three goals, two power play goals. Matt Murray looked good. He came, he came ready to play. Yeah. Final two games, they scored 11 goals. They solved King Henrik. They got in his kitchen. They got him rattled. Um, and they took care of business in MSG. They they won games three and four. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, four-point performance in game four, a big reason why. Also finished the series with seven points. Kessel had six points of his own. Nick Benino, Patrick Hornquist, and Chris Letang all had five. But the unsung heroes really came to play for them. Yeah, Connor Sheary. And Brian Rust. Points. Connor Sheary scored three points. He was quick. He was forcing the Rangers' defense into trouble, and he was creating offensive chances at every turn. And Matt Holland, he scores a big goal in Game 3, also got three points in this series. Yeah. Trevor Daly, Brian Russ, Tom Kunakle all had three points as well. And Matt Murray was good when he had to be. Yeah, he won. He won three and zero in the in the games that he played. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I I thought the Penguins would go far, um, or <laughs> win the Stanley Cup is because of their just their depth. Um, I felt like the Rangers are were overrated. I feel like Lundqvist was really their only good player, um, who, who's been carrying their team. Um, and it show. I mean that show. So that that showed too, um, in that series. Um. But yeah, um, I feel like this is this the window is actually closing on the Rangers team. Oh, yeah. Like I, they don't, uh, they're, they're I think they're the oldest team um, in the league right now. They're all their prospects are gone, um, and they don't have any because of that Eric Stahl, who by the way had I think there was like he had like three points in his regular season. When he was on the in the in, for the Rangers in the regular season, and he only had like one point in the playoffs. No, at zero points, zero goals. Oh, he had seven. zero points. Oh, wow. Zero points. He did nothing. Wow. Okay, so I was so he did worse than I thought. But yeah, um, he's at zero points. Yeah, too. he had thirty six in the regular season. Yandel had sixteen shots in the postseason. Yeah. and only had one goal. And yeah, even though I thought the Penguins were go- like were gonna win, I thought the Rangers were gonna give a little bit more of a fight. I would admit, but um, yeah. but yeah, I yeah. So you're all these depth players, not just Malkins, your Latangs, your Crosbys, but like your Trevor Daly looked good. Um, the uh, uh, yeah, you just mentioned like their their depth with uh, Rust, Sherry, um, Kunako. All those guys came through, um, and so it's like it's. I I look forward to like the Caps Penguins, um, if that happens, if the Caps can close it out, because um, I feel like that's going to be the whoever wins that will win the will be the Eastern Conference um, finalists in the Stanley Cup. But um, yeah. um I, I'm just. I'm just thinking about the Rangers, and I look yeah. back to Game One and that high stick that King Henrik took. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if that affected him more than than people would like to believe. That's because possible. His, his body language throughout the series, it wasn't. Yeah. You could tell he was getting rattled when Derek Stepan missed his assignment on that one-one goal in Game Five. He just gave him the eye roll. Yeah, that's possible. He, he just he just looked out of it. It's possible. I guess it, I think it is also just the defense. Like, a lot of the goals that the Penguins scored were, like, it was just bad defense on the Rangers' part. I don't think it was, like, I don't think any of it was, like, I don't think it was Lundqvist's fault for most of the goals. Um, So, in that sense, I don't know. You might be right, though. Maybe the injury was far serious than it, um, than it, then they let on, um, but um, yeah, I guess that's that's like it shows that they like. What if they had Cam Talbot? What if they had like a reliable backup um, instead? So that Lundqvist could be, you know, good could get healthy and come back when it's healthy. I know it's the playoffs, but um, you know, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe he was seriously 
he was more injured than we thought he was after that game one's high stick or whatever. But Lockwood is a competitor. He, yeah. He, he's he's not too. coming out of the net unless True. he physically can't go out there. If he can True. walk on his own two feet. But I mean, you know. but I mean, if he if we, you if you have a reliable backup, then you're like then, you know, then there's less pressure on you to actually go back in net where like the Rangers need Lundqvist more than any other team um, needs their goal. Like maybe like arguably the, the Habs do need price, but. um, And and that's interesting to point out because Henrik Lundqvist actually was pulled 10 times this season. Yep. And then he was pulled twice um, in the series. Yeah, at least once in the series. Yeah, he was pulled. He was pulled. Due to injury in game one, right, right, okay. And then, you yeah, know, so twice. Well, no, he was replaced in game four and in game five, and then, oh yeah, and then he was injured in game one, so three times. Um, I forgot that injury in the game one, but yeah, so um, yeah, I guess. But you're right, though. The Penguins did figure him out. I do want to mention one thing about the Sharks. You mentioned that they were overachieving. I don't know if they've overachieved. They do have a different coach, um, which may have been the difference. They do have a different team with the new goalie as well. So um, it's they are a different team. I feel like. Um, I mean, yeah, they have a lot of the same guys with you know the Couture's, the Pavelski's, Thornton, Marlow. Um, I think it was more of the goaltending front more than anything. Yeah. Where I thought they overachieved because you didn't. You, you you knew Martin Jones, you know, behind Jonathan. Quinn, yeah. But you had some potential. You didn't know under what body of work you, what you were going to get out. True, of and I mean, like, yeah, it's the same thing with like if you're speaking about the Rangers goalies, like Cam Talbot in Edmonton hasn't been as good as Martin Jones has been, and they've been you know the backups for most of their career, so. It's uh yeah you're you're right you never know what you're gonna get in terms of backups um, who've it's, been it's, there for a while but um, while we're on the subject of backups um, I'm just gonna take a look at the Philly Washington series that we're talking about yeah uh, and their backup is oh yeah Michael Newverth I don't Michael know how to pronounce Wait, his yeah. last name man but yeah yeah, yeah that was impressive he had like there was the shot total last game was like four like I think Caps had like. Forty shots or something. Forty-four. Forty-four, and the Flyers had ten, and <laughs> and the Flyers shut them, uh, shut the Caps out uh, two-zero. It's zero-zero right now. I'm I'm like watching it on the side right now. Um, it's, it's the second period, fifteen minutes um, to go in the second, and it's zero-zero um, right now, but. Yeah, the uh, yeah, that's true. The backups have been big. Um, even Matt Murray for the Penguins has been big too. Um, and uh, Martin Jones' role—he well, wasn't really a backup, but um, and then I think there's another backup we're missing. Um, well, Anderson's oh Thomas Grice, Thomas Grice, uh, Grice, well, Grice uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are, um, yeah, you're right. The backups have been, uh, uh, have been a, uh, thing in the playoffs right now. Um, I I don't think, I don't see really the Flyers joyride getting past game six. And and I'll tell you why this series reminds me of the Hats Sen series a year ago where the first three games, the favorites, the Hats, of course, get the lucky breaker two they needed. They're up three, nothing. The other team may slowly change in the tide, slowly start to turn the other way. Um, slight difference, though. The Sens, of course, went to Craig Anderson for Game 3. He did his part in an overtime loss, whereas the Flyers stuck with Steve Mason in what turned out to be a 6-1 blow in Game 3. We'll get more on that later. Uh, in any case, Michael Neuberth got his best chance to shine in the playoffs for the first time since his days with the Capitals. Right. And to this point, he's done a stellar job. Two wins, 75 saves, 76 shots, and a shutout. That's that's pretty impressive. But let me remind you what happened with the Sens in Game 6 of their series against Montreal. They outshoot the Habs big time. Carey Price stands on his head, gets a 2 nothing shutout series is over. Yeah. Um, I'm predicting the exact same score and the <laughs> exact same accolades for Brain Holby and company, who are yeah. on the episodes we mentioned as we're recording this. 
Uh, and let's also remember that in 2011, Michael Neuvirth and the Capitals got swept by Tampa Bay in four straight. In Game 1... Right, Neuvirth no- used to be a Capitals. Or- yeah, and in Game 1, three pucks got by him on 23 shots. Same stat line in Game 2, except his team lost in overtime. Four goals against on 30 shots in Game 3. In Game 4, five goals against on 37 yeah. shots. So at one point, are the Caps finally going to solve them? Right, you don't because, know. And, and, and it'll probably be on the power play, because they've outscored Philly 8-1 to one on the power play in this series. That's yeah. really the difference. Um, I will say, though, I am. whenever I think of the Flyers in the playoffs, I do remember the time in 2010 where the yeah, Flyers uh, were down 3 nothing to the Bruins, and then they came back. Uh, that game four was very that game five was very reminiscent of um, that where like this is just I wouldn't count out the Flyers out. I agree with you. I think the Caps will win this series, but um, it's always in the back of my mind when it comes to the Flyers, where it's like, well, it could happen. Um, so uh, that takes us into well, first off, uh, Vanilla Cavier and Datsuk. It looks like it's their last game in the NHL. I think we. I don't know if Datsuk has said that he's officially going to the KHL, but that's where people are speculating he'll go. Uh, Vinny LeCavier looks like he's retiring, although he hasn't been official about it yet. Um, Alright, so that takes us to what's been the most interesting series so far, series that could go 7. So yeah, you think the Capitals aren't going to go to 7, they're going to win right now. Um... So we have, um, let's see here, so the Islanders, I think the Islanders and Panthers will probably go seven. Um, the the Stars, I think, will win today. I think the Stars will win. Um, and then, uh, I think the Ducks, Predators, could go seven. Um, I love game sevens. Um, I think those, I think, yeah, I think the, uh, the we'll, we'll only get two of them, though. Uh, this round, though. Yeah, well, Nashville, they were up 2 nothing in this in this series. And, again, going into home, you need to take care of business. Bruce Boudreau went from John Gibson, who gave up, who was charged with six goals yeah. against on 60 shots, for Frederick Anderson, who's only been charged with three goals on 87 shots. Um, so that seemed to spark Anaheim. Because yeah. Pecorine, who has a 2-3 and three home record versus Anaheim in his playoff career, is now facing a do-or-die game six at home. And Corey Perry hasn't scored in 11 shot attempts this series, so at some point he's going to break right. three. Meanwhile, Jamie McGinn, Nate Thompson, Andrew Pogliano all have two goals, and so do the two Ryans, Kessler and Getzlaff. Uh, so... Even though Shea Weber and Roman Yossi have combined for six points, they were combined minus seven... Uh, so for the reasons mentioned above, this series ends in six, and the Ducks will uh, finish it off in Nashville. Um, Dallas, I, I, I think you're right. They might, uh, many might force Game Seven for whatever reason. Like you look in 2014, the way they were somehow able to outlast the Avs snipers. I think they could do it again with the Stars team and at least force the seventh game. It wouldn't surprise me if they lost in Game Six, but uh, ultimately Dallas is good is going to emerge victorious. Yeah. Even without John Klingberg, who's only scored two points, Jamie Benn is doing his part, Jason Spetz is doing his part, Patrick Eves out of nowhere has four points in five games. Um, but if if, if uh, many can extend this series, it'll be because of Miko Koibu, who's got three goals. Yeah, he's uh, been good. And this, and this line of Pommaville, Nita Ryder, and Holla. Yeah, the impressive who, thing who about... Check, who, who seem to be checking everything that comes, uh, everything that moves. And creating offense at every turn. In yeah. three, they were very good at that. The impressive thing about the the this wild team right now is that they don't have their best player in Zach Parise. Yeah. So um, yeah, so uh, they've been winning without him. Of course, the Stars don't have Tyler Sagan either. So mm-hmm. um, so yeah, these both both teams are injury riddled. But I feel like the Stars have better players um, than the Wild do. Um, yeah, before is, the series even started and before Parise and Sagan were out with injuries, yeah. Stars were still the better team. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's about it for in terms well, of we'll uh, we'll know the second round. It'll probably be started uh, by the time by our next podcast. But now, 
I, I just want to uh, address a couple of things. We talked about oh, yeah. in Tampa how Tyler Johnson, you know, whether or not that injury uh, that oh, he yeah. suffered late in the season was going to affect him. Well, him and Kucherov have combined for yeah. seven goals and eight assists Hasn't so really far. affected him, yeah. And, and in game five, Ben Bishop stops three breakaways. Oh, yeah. Picks up the shutout. Uh, as I said before, Tampa can survive without Steven Stankos. Yes, Detroit made it close, right. but Tampa was the better team. This does team. make you wonder, though, that if Stammer, like, this may, maybe this means that, like, Geiserman will be like, oh, well, we can win without Stamkos. Maybe we should let him go. With him, though. You know? You're a better True. Team with... and, True. And it's it'll, be it'll tough to live him, though. Should also be noted for the first time since 0203, Datsu failed to register a single playoff point. Yeah. Only one other guy on the team was held pointless this year. That was Alexei Marchenko, which shows you how balanced the Red Wings' attack was. Well, kinda, because <laughs> only two players had more than one point, and those two individuals, Thomas Tatar and Mike Green, combined for only one goal. So yeah. again, Tampa still the better team in that series. Um. The interesting, I I saw this report. It's not confirmed true yet, but I heard that there was uh, some locker room discussion where Zetterberg was taking over some of the uh, coaching duties. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Which, if that's true, it it, it sounds really uncharacteristic of Zetterberg. But if that's true, then I feel like the Red Wings have more issues. Um, where, cause like, you know, Blashill should be, you know, the actual guy to take charge and not leave it to their captain. Um, and, and you were also, I, I can't remember who said this or where I heard this from, but I yeah. heard, you know, maybe with Mike Babcock gone, a different change in voice, right. you know, was welcomed. Well, they have <laughs> that change of voice and to hear this kind of stuff coming yeah. out, I mean. Yeah, that's the, that's the other thing. So I don't know. I should preface this by saying it's not true. I don't want to be the we don't want to be known as the podcast that just gives out false information. Yeah. But I did read that report, so well, we, blame we them. Talked, <laughs> we've talked about this report several times about how Jonathan Drewen and uh, oh, yeah. Sam Bay Lightning have been at odds. Yeah, well, that doesn't four seem points, to be the case. Yeah, four points and three assists on the last game, or something like that. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it's it's uh yeah I guess it's not as big of a deal. Um, um I th- uh, you, you talk about the most interesting series for sure, oh, yeah. Isles Panthers. I mean, a new guy named Alan Quine scores on yep. the power play in double OT. Thomas Grice uh, emerging um, as you know all of a sudden a great one B goalie to Yaroslav Halak and two overtime wins. Um, going into Brooklyn. Uh, Game six in position to win their first series for the first time since '93. Not too many people expected that. Uh, also, Riley Smith four goals and eight points. Yeah, I know. While unfortunately, are goalless. I don't know how sustainable Riley Smith will be as a Bruins fan. I know yeah. he was he was good the first year, bad the second year. So it may uh, he may not be as consistent. But there was one year I think where Martin Havlat had I think nine goals in the playoffs. Yeah, something like nine that. points or something like that. Never the same since he left Ottawa. Yeah. So you might be right about it. Now I, I just wanted to, to take a look at something. Hawks and Blues, okay? If the Hawks were to have their season come to an end in game six, it would have sealed a staggering stat which involves the Kings, Hawks and Rangers finishing the opening round with a combined 0-8 record on home ice. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to mention that. I think I read the stat that the Blackhawks have never lost a Game 6 since they've been in this 20... 13-3 20- when facing elimination. Yeah, 13-3. Apparently, yeah. they're good. Apparently, yeah. they're good. Apparently. Um, <laughs> and you can never count them out. St. Louis should yeah. have found out the hard way two years ago when they had a Chicago in a 2 nothing series hole. We all know mm. what happened there. Uh, and... The Hawks' dominance on the shot clock, despite that staggering stat, the Blues had a 3-1 series lead, and they had numerous chances to give them the final nail in the coffin. Like, third period of Game 5, Artemi Panarin, who had scored a point in all but one game of this series so far, goes to the box for too many men on the ice penalty. Blues did not convert. Game goes into double OT. They lose. Game 6, give up the first goal. 
score three times in just under five minutes to silence the Madhouse on Madison, take a penalty in early in the second period. The Hawks scored a crawl to within one, and they ultimately score four more, sealing off five unanswered goals right. in the 6-3 final. Even though Petrangelo and Shattenkirk have ten points compared to Keith and Seabrook's six points, and even though Tarasenko's outscoring Patty Kane 4-1, to one, the Hawks have five guys with at least two goals on their team. Mm-hmm. Brian Elliott has faced, get this, 221 shots after six games and 35-plus shots in five of the six games. Yeah. I mean, he's got the Cujo mask. He's got the Cujo equipment. He's facing as much shots as Cujo did in his Blues yeah. career. And Corey think- Crawford has only had to face 20 or less shots in two of the six games. I still, I think, I think the black, the blues should have closed it out in game five. Yeah, or, that was um, the best And I, I think the Blackhawks just know what to do right now. And I think yeah. they're just, I think they're going to win tomorrow or they're going to win game seven. Um, blues, I, 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 do, I don't have any faith in the blues as much as I want to see them win. I don't think they're going to. And this isn't Brian Elliott's fault. Brian yeah, no. It has nothing to do with how good the no. Blues have been playing. It has everything to do with just the Blackhawks just refusing to lose. The Blues are playing better as individuals. Yeah. But this is the reason why Chicago has won three cup titles in six years and why they're going for their fourth and seven. They win as a team. Yeah. The Blues have yet to prove that. This would be their fourth straight year where they get knocked out in round one, and it all goes back to their team play. Their individuals. Yeah. Tarasenko's playing great. Petrangelo's yeah. playing great. Elliott's playing great. As a team, the Blackhawks <laughs> are stepping up. Dale Weiss yeah. gets his first goal of the series, turns out to be the game winner in game six. Thibaut Teravainen, who was a late a bloomer in the playoffs last year, but scored some big goals, has yet to score in this series. What happens if he gets on the board? Yeah. Patrick Kane's only scored one goal. That was the game winner in game five in double overtime. So it's all about stepping up. And the Blackhawks, when they have to, they step up. St. Yeah. Louis hasn't been able to do that. And I think everyone, and I mean everyone, is in the NHL, no matter which team you cheer for, is going to be watching this game because not only could this be another um, defining moment in the Blackhawks um, dynasty yeah. legacy that they have going for them. This could be Ken Hitchcock's final game. Yeah, And every single team that's looking As for a, blues a coach coach. change, they're going to be watching. Yeah, the Senators will probably pick him up right after he's fired. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> I, and I think he's going to be fired within a week. If yeah. St. Louis loses that series, he'll be gone within a week. I agree. Uh, we have to go to rapid fire. We, yeah. um, we we will talk about the this more. It depends. I am looking forward to that game seven. I think that's been the most interesting series yeah. uh, so far. Although the pe- uh, the uh, the Sharks Kings, we knew it was going to be close. We yeah. knew it was going seven. The Sharks Kings uh, series has also been uh, good too. Um, if you were in terms of interesting uh, matchups, uh, so we're going to go to the rapid fire quickly. Uh, um. Yeah, so coaches challenge replay. There's been a lot of talk. We've talked about this before with the uh, offsides and the look, like the refs have to look in a small camera, um, in a small tablet. Uh, but this has been, there's been a number of games where uh, the you know call, goals have been called off just because a player is like a fraction off offsides, um, like ten seconds before. Um, I think we're we're both in agreement that uh, coaches' challenge is good. They're in the right direction. Uh, just needs to be tweaked a bit. Where you have a bigger screen, maybe don't make it like like I f- I find it weird that like there was like I think there's uh, was it game one in the Blues Blues Blackhawks series. It might have been game two where the like uh, Latero was like a fraction off. Um, offsides, and then Tarasenko scored like 10 seconds later, which I feel like that offsides doesn't have anything to do with, like it doesn't have an effect on, it didn't have an influence on that goal being scored, um, which I felt like that was bad news or BS. Um, but uh, 
so there have been some times where I feel like the Blues have been screwed over, or certain teams have been screwed over. Um, not enough yet to, like, actually, like, win them or lose them a series or a game yet, but um, I think there it is an issue um, that needs to be fixed, though. Well, I, see, I have a feeling, though, it's going to come back, though, like in the Stanley Cup final. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, usually, usually it'll take something really controversial. Yeah. Probably the worst possible time, a.k.a. the Stanley Cup final. Maybe, God forbid, Game 7 no yeah. or something like that. We'll probably um, will. I, I have a feeling it's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there should be, like, maybe more of, like, a penalty for coaches to do the challenges. Because they're like you lose a timeout, so what? You know, it's like worth a shot just to, you know, it's also like a momentum breaker. Like let's say, uh, like you know that it's not offsides, but you call off, you call a coach's challenge just to get, uh, well, you, only get you know, just to get your team some rest or to break a momentum or whatever. So um, there's that, and it just takes forever, especially. With how long it is, which takes us into our next thing. I don't know if you had anything well, to talk about. I don't care how long it takes, so long as the right call is made. I would yeah. Have, well, that's the thing, though. So, the call. That's the thing, though, is that the call isn't always made. Though, like the right call isn't always made. Yeah, that's that's what kind of aggravates me. If you're gonna yeah. take all the time and the right call is there and you don't make the right call, that infuriates me. Yeah. But once the right call is made, I'm fine with it. Yeah. All right. Um. That takes us into our next thing, where uh, Pat Foley, who is the uh, Blackhawks uh, broadcast, for all you Canadians who are listening, uh, NBCSN, had, like, it's not like Sportsnet or TSN back when they had the NHL rights. Um, NBCSN has, they sometimes they take when their main headquarters, like when their main people aren't doing the broadcast, uh, Doc and uh, Eddie Olchek, they have, um, they take them to like the broadcast of the home team um, mm-hmm. and do the things. And so then I think it was, it was like, um, I forget exactly when Pat Foley, who's the Blackhawks uh, announcer, um, I think it was, it was probably late. Uh, I think like the first overtime, I think in game five. Um, Pat fully like just went on this rant about how, um, like the coaches don't like the late start times, the players don't either. And like, he was just mentioning how all the fans on the East coast are asleep. Um, and then NBCSN just went straight to commercial break. Um, and then the next, <laughs> then they went to the blues broadcast uh, for the next pair uh, for the next overtime, which I thought was funny, and then afterwards, Mike Milbury said something about like how um, you know this is just how it's played. I, th- I think this this issue is something that for someone who as an East Coast diehard hockey fan, um, it's something that just can't be avoided. I I like I sort of like I'm always tired the night the day after. Um, watching these games, but I feel like I, I take it as like a point of pride kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I guess, like, I feel like, but Pat Foley does have a point, um, in terms of, you know, maybe these games, you know, maybe don't start at eight o'clock, um, Eastern time, maybe start at seven. I know, um, that means that it's four on the West coast, but, um, I don't know, maybe just don't, like, start at, like, I think that game started at 9, um, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, if it's if it starts at 8, like, that, that's, a, that's a little bit more manageable, even yeah. 7.30. But, like, it's fine. I, I understand the West Coast, yeah, 8 would be... Coast, you can't move it to, like, 4 o'clock and have, like, you know, half the people willing to make the trek there. Right. You want to get as many people in the True. streets as you can. No, you I, too early, yeah, like, especially if, turn. I mean, for, like... For, like, California teams or teams on the West Coast, it makes sense to start a games at 10 um, or even at 9. Um, but, like, uh, to start a, for, like, Chicago and St. Louis, who are on Central Time Zone, they shouldn't start a game at 9. 
you know? Yeah. Um, so, Eastern time. So, um, yeah, maybe, yeah, so they should just switch it to maybe 7 um, Eastern time, although that would be 6 Central time um, and 4 uh, Western time, Pacific time. But, uh, yeah. Um, even 6.30, like... yeah. Six thirty their time. That's seven thirty our time. That's that's still good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there, there's no way to win in this situation. No, there's not. Because uh, there, you know, you're either gonna have people on the west coast who are at work if you start too early, or people who are just re- dead tired <laughs> like us um, on the east coast. Um, that being said, Pat Foley could have said a lot worse. True. A lot true. worse to get him cut off. I just I just find it funny that like maybe the way he said it that they didn't like. Yeah. But, eh. I I I just find it funny that like NBCSN like just doesn't want anything like any NHL like they don't want any bad, um, negative things towards the NHL, so they just cut off, just cut them off. Um, because I guess they don't want to lose that. The uh, well, yeah, NHL. they're relying on their American fan base more than ever because like sixty-one yeah. percent a dropping. Exactly. I mean, like, and like Pat Foley is the reason why we're talking about it now. We're like, yeah. oh yeah, maybe maybe you should start it, you know, earlier. Um, I mean, it, it, in a way, I think Pat Foley was trying to say, like, you know, maybe you would get more people to watch a double overtime game if um. If it was started earlier, I think that double overtime game ended at like two in the morning Eastern yeah. time. Um, I so know like one of my more people. Yeah. At the station across from me, and he was so overjoyed when Patty Kane scored because he would just get to go home. <laughs> yeah. Who won? Just wanted yeah. someone to score. I think yeah, and I think like I think in terms like for Canadians, that's a good point. Like Canadians will watch hockey no matter what, but for NBC for like America hockey. It's just different, so you need to, like, you know, just put the games earlier, I guess, just for, like, just to appease the Americans, um, who probably can't stay up that late. Um, let's go, uh, speak, uh, speaking of getting with the times, uh, Andrew Shaw, uh, said, had a, uh, homophobic slur, or he was caught on camera, uh, talking, I think he was arguing with a ref. He said, uh, he we're not going to say the word. Slur. Don't I say did, the I word. I see the homophobic slur, though. Yeah, don't say the word, but he used the... I don't even know what the word was. It's, uh, it's, I don't even want to know. It starts with an F. No. Um, and he, uh, he, he, he got suspended for one game. No. Um, I think this is just, uh, I just wanted to mention this because I think it's just a step in the right direction. Because I feel like 20 years ago, if this happened, uh, the NHL wouldn't care. They wouldn't even probably fine him, even. Um, so he got suspended. And then he scored the next uh, the next game. Um, uh, Ed Snyder, uh, wristbands thrown on ice on game three. Um, this is such a Philly thing to do. Um, if you... If, if you guys aren't familiar with Philly fans, they're known to do these kind of things. Like they booed Santa, like in the 1970s. Uh, they so they threw wristbands on the ice. I realize I didn't mention what they actually did. Um, they threw these wristbands on the ice. Uh, they were supposed to like uh, commemorate Ed Snyder. What I don't understand about this, though, is that, like, why give them wristbands? Just give them, like, a shirt or, like, something that's not easily, that you can easily throw on the ice. Um, I feel like it's just the oversight of what the Flyers were going to do. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, getting back to the the whole Andrew Shaw thing, you know, he says he won't use that word in his vocabulary again. And he better do so because that's what the team now expects him to do. That's what his coach expects. That's what the players expects. That's what the owner paying in the bills expects. And if he does this again, says a different, different homo- homophobic slur that's just as offensive, I expect a swift and severe type of action, not by the NHL, but by the organization itself. 
Uh, and another thing that shocks me is what Sidney Crosby said about regrettable trash talking, that regrettable things are often said perhaps more often than people think. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the case, maybe the NHL should look into this further because if, sh- if Andrew Shaw isn't the only one who's saying foul language, that's, you know... Yeah, I feel like the only reason... You know, then, yeah. then perhaps it's a bigger issue than we're led to believe. That's true. I, I feel like that that's probably true. I feel like there's wor- even worser things that are said on the ice that just yeah. aren't caught on camera. But, I mean, I think this is a, we're in the right direction that, like, these players should always realize that, oh, the, oh the, I could be caught on camera and I could be suspended. No. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It could be, it, like, there's probably a lot worse on the ice. Now, was Shaw even caught on camera saying this? Yeah, he was. That's okay. that's really why he got suspended, because okay. there was proof that he'd said it. Was there, like, audio, or did, or was it, or, like... Like, you could read his lips, that you could, you could definitely, okay. you could definitely tell that he okay. said that word. Well, Ed Snyder, wristbands being thrown onto the ice, there's no yeah. shirt coming in, we all know... <laughs> we're all over there. the place. I mean, Ovechkin and Simmons were waving at the fans, please stop. Right. Stop, stop throwing them. And I know they're losing by a lot at that point, but that kind of disrespect overshadowed yeah. the significance of that night. True. A night where their owner, who gave everything for that franchise and the city represents, yeah. deserved a big salute, and they give him that. Yeah. They should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. I know it's brotherly love in Philadelphia. I don't think that's even brotherly love. That's just classes. Yeah, no, I I and it's, I agree with that in that respect. Their fan base is classless, but it was a classless gesture. Yeah, classless gesture, and I think they know better than that. Yeah, I agree with that in that respect, but at the same time, I feel like the Flyers organization should have known this could happen. Like, I feel like they could have foreseen it happening, maybe. Um, oh, the Kings fans got glowing pucks. Uh, oh, yeah, I saw that. Game 5, did you see anyone yeah. throw them on the ice when they lost Game 5? No. no. Although that's a little different. It wasn't like a trouncing. But, yeah, you're right. I mean... They still, they still give up... They still give up... Yeah. And lost to a but I feel like... Rival. I feel like every fan base has terrible... Terrible fans. Oh, Bruins, yeah. Bruins definitely do. Um, but it's just the Flyers are more notable... Um, it's, it's like it's not surprising that like when you when I heard this news, just coming from this is what you know this is just a Philly thing to do, um, but yeah at the same time it's I mean yeah you're right it's not uh doesn't mean it's right or um it's respectful, um but yeah they should be ashamed of themselves, um all right well, so, we were talking about Vinny and Dadsu closing yeah. out their NHL careers if the Panthers lose. Is that Yarmur Yager's last game? Um, possibly. Um, I could see that. If it was honestly, it really was. Yeah, I could see that. Um, before we talk about the lottery, I just want to quickly bring up the CHL playoffs. Okay. Yeah. With the exception of Erie versus Sault Ste. Marie, all second round matchups in the OHL were over and done in four games, and Erie only needed five games to beat the Greyhounds. Uh, in the West final. However, the Erie Otters trailed the London Knights 1-0 at last check. The Niagara Ice Dogs, who swept the Kingston Frontenacs, who were heavily favored maybe to represent the Eastern Conference, they lead the Barry Colts two games to none, who sweep the North Bay Battalion in four games. Is this for the Memorial Cup, or is that... Uh, this is... Well, yeah, they're basically all three... Fi- uh, all three oh, teams, this is... Including the This host. is the prelims, okay. Yeah, this is the prelims, yeah. So, in the QMJHL, it was a mismatch sweep for the ruined Noranda Huskies, who outscored a Drummondville Voltigeur squad, guess by how much, in four games, how much they outscored them by. Uh, how much? Uh, I don't know. You don't want to guess. 33 to 4. Wow, wow. 10 to nothing in game one, and 10 to 1 in game three, the most notable lopsided um, victories. Uh, they got the better Moncton in Game 1 of their semifinal match, only to have the Wildcats even the series in Game 2. FYI, Moncton trailed Gatineau 2-1 to one in Round 2 before reeling off three straight wins to take the series in six games. So, don't give those Cats any chances to pounce on you, or you'll be sorry. Uh, the other series, Shawinigan and St. John, are tied at one game apiece. Another FYI, 
A pair of Sens prospects are still making noise. The Huskies' Francois Perron has 18 points in nine games, and Thomas Shabbat of the St. John Sea Dogs has 18 points in 14 games, and I believe he leads the league in assists, postseason assists as well. In the WHL, I was telling you how those pesky Kelowna Rockets were in a hole against the Victoria Royals. Yeah. Forced to game seven, and they won, so they're still kicking. Uh, but they are now down 2 nothing to the Seattle Thunderbirds in their semifinal series. Um, and the host for this year's MasterCard Memorial Cup outlasted the Regina Pats in seven games. That would be the Red Deer Rebels. They trailed the Brandon Wheat Kings at last check, two games to none. But here's the kicker. If they come back and win that series, because they're the hosts, the winner of Seattle versus Kelowna gets an automatic ticket to the MasterCard Memorial Cup because Red Deer is the host of this tournament. And if they make the finals, even if even if uh, the team they're facing loses, they're also in. Yeah. And, and that's happened several times before. Uh, the 67s in 05, um, they faced London, who hosted the tournament. Uh, they went on to lose the finals, but still got to play in the Memorial Cup. <laughs> and I think the last time that happened to an OHL team, Mississauga was hosting it. They made it to the finals. They lost Game 7 overtime to the Owen Sound attack. And they also didn't... I don't think they even made it to... The Memorial Cup final. If, if they did, they lost. So it doesn't always work out so well for the hosts who go into the finals the same year. Uh, but just something to keep an eye on. If Red Deer wins their series, whoever wins in that Seattle Kelowna tilt, uh, they're going to be very, very happy because they'll get their ticket punched before anybody else. Um, so that is where the CHL playoffs stand right now. Okay. Uh, so that's your CHL minute, um, yeah. I guess. Minutes. <laughs> yeah, minutes. Uh, the the draft lottery is on next Saturday, this Saturday. Yeah. Um. So we will know next uh, next episode uh, the final picks. Uh. But so this is it's different uh, compared to previous years, where the uh, where it's um. It's not just the first um, first pick is up for grabs. It's the first three. Uh, they do three separate lotteries. Um, so in that sense, uh, like the Bruins, which have the le- uh, have a one percent chance of getting the lottery, will have. I think that means their their chances increase um, just slightly um, after for the second lottery and their chances increase for the third lottery. Um, that that speaks for every, um, it speaks for every team that's not picked first. Um, um, we should do predictions. I'll just just give an example here. The Toronto Maple Leafs in one draft simulation, they got the first overall pick in another draft simulation. They didn't get the first overall pick, the second overall pick, or the third overall pick, right. they got bumped down to fourth. Yeah. So that's how this is going to work. And Toronto, ter, speaking of Toronto, Toronto has the 20% chance. Yeah, they got the best odds. Um, they have the best odds. Uh, Edmonton has 13.5. Vancouver has 11.5. Um, all right. Uh, do we want, I just, I mean, it's going to be impossible to pick. Oh, oh right. Don Maloney, the GM for the Coyotes, just got fired. Yeah, so he um, won't, if, if they get Austin Matthews, yeah. he won't be the guy making this look. It's, it's an interesting move, though, considering that, like, uh, they had him just for the rebuild, and he doesn't get to, like, reap their success because now they're finally, you know, they're, yeah, <laughs> they played done, well. He's done a fantastic yeah. job as far as getting the pieces for the future. I mean, yeah. He pulled off the Duclair trade yeah. in the Keith Yandel deal, and now Duclair <laughs> and Domi are, you know, together doing their thing. And they yeah. also got Brendan Perlini waiting in, the, waiting in the wings. They have Dylan Strome waiting yeah. in the wings. They got several, several good prospects that probably no one, uh, not too many people. And don't they have they have uh, that and guy on London, right? Um, what's his name? The guy from London, the London Knights. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but. 
They have a guy it's in there. Not, it's not fully Arby, is it? Um, hold on, let me look it up. Um, or Yule Levy, Yule Levy. No, uh, hold on. Um, uh, well, while I'm looking this up, uh, what are your predictions for the lottery? Toronto Maple Leafs are going to pick third. Wow, okay. Columbus Blue Jackets are going to pick second. And the Edmonton Oilers will pick first. Wow, okay. You I just, really, really think you that think, the Oilers have got a horseshoe stuck up their yeah. butt so much they're going to win it again. Yeah, And, wow. and, and, and chaos is going to ensue on Twitter just like it did last year when they got McDavid. Um, yeah, I could see that happening. I, as a Bruins fan, I think my nightmare would be if Toronto, Montreal, and uh, Buffalo got the first three picks. I, I mean, and Ottawa, I guess. Uh, I think you know me well enough that I don't really consider Ottawa a rival. I mean, they are in our division, but I, I mean, I, <laughs> I kind of hate those three teams more. Uh, but, um... As for my predictions, by the way, it's Christian Dvorak who I was uh, thinking okay, of. Yeah. Um, but um, Chuck too, he's another one. Yep. Um, oh, uh, you mean in the in the Coyote system? Okay. Yeah, but yeah. Not, not to Chuck. He's another London Knight that could go in the top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, see, I feel like I feel like a team that like is in the middle rounds, like. Like an Arizona, Winnipeg, or Buffalo will get a spot. Um, like I don't think it's going to be like right now. It's set. If if there wasn't a lottery, it would be Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver. Um, I think it's going to be. I think Toronto will get the second pick. I'm going to say Columbus will get the first pick, and uh, and Buffalo Buffalo will get the third pick. Um, yeah, so it's Columbus, Toronto, Buffalo, um, but, I, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's so tough, I mean, it's tough to predict this kind of thing, but, um, I just, I just hope it's not the Habs. Um, speaking of which, uh, we'll go into our Bruins Send segment, I know we said last, ep- last episode that we weren't going to do this, but considering there's two big news stories since we were gone on both sides, um, I felt like we had to, uh, mention that before we go. Uh, so let's start with you cause, uh, that actually, there was actual, um, changes. Uh, Dave Cameron is out as head coach. Um, there was rumors that Claude Julian was going to be, um, going to be the guy because Dorian, uh, like hired Julian for his first job, but then that turned out that Julian's staying as the Bruins coach. But, um, so now, um, do you think this is the right move? Do you, are you looking forward to like Hitchcock maybe being the Blues coach or who do you think they're going to get? Well, it, first off, you know, it was sad to see Dave Cameron, um, go because, you know, that, that miraculous run that they made, you know, when this team was pulling its weight, when this team was on the right page, when this when this team was going, they were pretty, pretty unreal to watch. But there just wasn't that much of identity, that much of a structure this year. Their power play, their penalty kill were in the bottom five in the league, bottom three in the league even. Um, their, their offense was great, but their defense just was really lacking this year, even with enough, you know, just inexperienced defense. And they lost a lot of one-goal games. There were, again, slow starts, late collapses, you know, some late miracles here and there, but not enough late miracles to overcome the late collapses and slow starts. Um, So it didn't really surprise me that Dave Cameron was a scapegoat and that he had to go. What what is really sad is during his press conference, he said, you know, hearing the comments that Melnick made, he felt like he was fired for three weeks. And uh, the, the way it ended, you know, I, I kind of feel for the guy. Um, <laughs> again, Ken Hitchcock, if the St. Louis Blues fall to Chicago, he's probably going to be on their speed dial list. 
Um, so the Sens are probably setting up his resume as we speak. Mm. Um, and they've also talked to Mike Yo and they're planning on talking to Mark Crawford. I think they might have already done so. Guy Boucher is probably on their list. Um, a guy that comes to mind for me as one of those under-the-radar guys with zero NHL coaching experience, and they made it very clear they want a coach preferred yeah, about to say. experience. But, but Pierre Dorian said the day that Dave Cameron was fired, if there's a special coach, then we're gonna then we're gonna then we're gonna hire him. And I think that special coach might be Benoit Grew of the Gatineau Olympique. This is a guy that coached Claude Giroux when he was with the Gatineau Olympique. I think back then he was they were called the Hull Olympique at the time. And um he co- he's coached a lot of players. He coached Jean Gabriel Pajot as well. So and and Gatineau's not too far away from Ottawa. It's, yeah, it's not far away at all. I guess so, if you're if you're gonna get a new guy, you should probably get a guy who knows the players. Yeah, um, and and who can develop players, and yeah. he's developed a lot of good players in Gatineau. So Benoit Grew would would be kind of one of those a diamond in the landmine kind of guys. Yeah. Uh, diamond in the rough kind of guys <laughs> that no one's really heard of, but who could be a really good coach in this league. Of course, you know if they're looking for someone with NHL playoff, uh, with NHL experience and even playoff experience like Ken Hitchcock, um, Luke Richardson isn't going to fit that bill, and that's sure. why he left the Binghamton Senators. What about Guy Boucher? Because uh, apparently, word is you know he wanted to take that next step, but. Dorian said, uh, there's not much consideration for you for this job. Yeah. So he said, okay, parting ways, I'll, I'll move elsewhere. What about Guy Boucher? Guy, Guy Boucher, you know, again, he's got playoff experience. He yeah. one game away from going to the finals. And outside of the NHL ranks, he's probably the best coach available, like <laughs> in Europe. So he did definitely, he's going to be considered... I, I think it's either going to be Ken Hitchcock or Guy Boucher. Because I look at... I, I look at Mike Yo and yeah, he got the wild to the playoffs. I, but the way he ripped into his guys that one practice, that's just really stuck out with me. And I don't think that would really suit this system well. Yeah. So for, for that reason, I, I give the edge to Hitchcock and Boucher over uh, over a guy like Mike Yo. Okay. That's not to say Yo's a bad coach. Right. I just don't think he's the right fit. Yep. Um, well, that's what I... Uh, when this news broke out, we were on Facebook chatting. Yeah. I remember, and I was saying, like, probably means that they're going to get Julian if he is indeed fired. Um, but I didn't think he was the right fit for you guys either, just because you guys are young guys, and uh, Julian is uh, known to not play the young guys as much. Um but um, which uh, which but um, he's probably gonna have to learn to do that now, um, yeah. considering they announced uh, two wins last two Wednesdays ago that the uh, Bruins are keeping Claude Julian. And I think that's the right move. It is the right move. I agree with that. I would the only reason I would have been okay with firing him is if they brought up the AHL Providence guy. Um, Bruce Cassidy, because if we're going to bring in young guys into the NHL and transition them into uh, the NHL, then you know you want got someone who uh, knows these guys a lot, like a Mike Sullivan thing. Uh, but um, but yeah, so I'm I'm so Claude Julian's back in. Uh, they fired all his assistant coaches. Um, and I, th- um, so now, um, and oh, by I, the way, that's exactly what Ottawa did. They fired most of their assistants. Too. Yeah. So right. Yeah. There. Um, but yeah, they, they took it a step further and fired their head coach too. Um, but yeah, this is just to show that like Claude Julian's on his literal last legs. I feel like Neely is also on his last legs if they don't make the playoffs next year. Um, Neely's gone. Um, I think Sweeney has, has some leeway just cause this is his first year. 
but I think he's also on the hot seat too. The thing with coaches is your job is, is yeah. never safe. You know, yeah. things can change so quick. And I, it, especially with Claude Julien, yeah. if they start off slow, <laughs> like he's going to be in the hot seat again. True. Like, I think um I think the Bruins are going to make a big splash in the off season. Um, they're going to. I hope they're going to get maybe Alex Golagoski. I know he's a he's a UFA. Uh, this season, I think that's exactly who we need. Um, or they're going to try to get an RFA like Sammy Vatanen, Jacob Truba. I think there's another RFA defenseman that we're probably going to target. Uh, considering Vatanen leads nine defenseman in points so far, and Jacob Truba could be like the best blue liner the Jets <laughs> have other than Dustin Bufflin, I no, doubt I know. they're going to get either. Uh, I doubt it too, but I think... Um, we, I mean, I know it's going to be a high price to pay for both of those guys, but I, I don't know. I, it could happen. We, we did the same for Chara, kind of. I mean. I focus on keeping crew first before I change anything else. True, true. Um, but I don't know. I, I could, I think that's really just our big thing is we just need a defenseman, um, a young one, um, but I mean, I, I, that's why I want to see them get Goligoski. I know he's not a young guy, but uh, he could help our system. Um, just just having a <laughs> a reliable guy like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's I think the so now that Julian and Neely are staying, um, I thought Julian was going to go and Neely was going to stay, but um, but both are staying. At least for now. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would have liked to see Neely go. But um, I guess they're going <laughs> to wait another year. And, and um, again, getting back to the sense from point, I should also yeah. point out their goaltending coach, Rick Wamsley, was also let go. Okay. So they're in the hunt for a new goalie coach as well. So Yeah. Um, but uh, Interesting to see who they hire in this place. Um, yeah, so I think... I always feel, I feel weird doing this Bruins send stuff because I feel like the attention should go to the playoff teams, but yeah, um, but yeah. So I mean, we'll talk more about it in the off season. Now, just these, before, both, before, both we, teams. before we uh, before we uh, have our final thoughts, there any yeah. word on what's happening in the Caps Flyers right now? Yeah, I was about to say uh, the Caps are up one nothing at the end oh, of the second. Oh, uh, yeah, period? Uh, end of the second. So yeah, there you have a. Third to go, but um, it's one nothing. Nicholas Backstrom scored for them. Let's see what the shot total is. Um, it's twenty three. Washington Washington has twenty three shots, and Philly has fifteen. So not as bad as last game, but <laughs> still pretty disparaging. Uh, uh, I don't even know if that's the right word, but uh, yeah. So I, I guess until next time, we'll know the second round. It'll probably be underway. Uh, the next time we speak, but I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk again in episode 29 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Yeah, 29, wow.